In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. I'm pretty sure most people here have experienced insecurity sometime in their life. You may have felt unloved or lonely or in some manner less than the people around you. You may have also felt financially insecure, not knowing how to pay the bills or money that you owe, or worried about the future when you will be working less and your income is reduced. Insecurity touches all of us at times. It raises the issue of how we become secure or help others to become secure. What's the gist here? What takes us out of worry and into an equilibrium or a relaxed state? What moves us from anxiety to acceptance of ourselves and others? Well, JC had a bit to say about this. Our Gospel this morning, uh, and in, in our Gospel this morning, an insecure guy in the crowd uh, around him calls out, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Clearly, his brother was secure, or at least comparatively secure in relation to him. That is because this brother was left the inheritance, and as such he had the discretion to apportion or not apportion as he saw fit. Jesus deftly sidesteps the personal issues between the brothers and used the dynamic between them to talk about real security. While the crowd pondered on the differing states of security of the two brothers, he said, Friend, who set me to be the judge or arbitrator over you? Then he went further, invoking the crowd and warning, Take care. Be on your guard. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That feels a bit tough. Security was hard to come by and easily lost in the ancient world. The guy in the crowd had genuine reasons to be worried. And Jesus might have been able to suggest a little sharing, perhaps. Maybe he did, in a more personal way later on. But the crowd but with the crowd there, his need to spell out a better way of living took precedence, and he told them a parable, as he often did. He spoke of a rich man whose land was so fertile that it produced more grain than his barns could hold. I'm assuming this is a Galilean story from the north, uh, from the north of Israel, because the land is much more fertile there. The grain could have been wheat, or barley, lentils, chickpeas, and even tamarind. It was probably a mixture of a number of these. Anyway, this guy pondered on how he could store all of his crop. Then he came up with the idea that he should pull down his barns and build bigger ones to take the surplus he was now producing. In that way, all his grain and other goods could be stored. Now that wasn't necessarily a bad idea. You could see his point in preserving the house. 
But the problem was that he was completely consumed with his own sense of personal security and quite blind to the vast majority of people who live nearby in great hardship and even poverty. In the story, he was full of hubris. In Middle Eastern hyperbole, he quite unselfconsciously says to his soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. At the peak of his achievement and statement of great satisfaction, he dies. And so he gains no benefit for his restructuring and investment. He simply doesn't live to enjoy it. Well, that's how we would put it today. In the paradox states, God said, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Now, I'm not sure whether it's Jesus himself or the Gospel writers who seldom allow a parable to simply end and let us ponder on it. There is usually a final message summarising the parable. I don't know, but it's possible that JC told the parable and left it hanging. Anyway, the obvious is stated in the story. He says, So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but not rich towards God. Now, I do not think that the point of the parable is to suggest that planning for the future is a bad thing. Nor do I think it's suggesting that creating wealth or physical security is inappropriate. Furthermore, I also don't think the parable is about glorifying asceticism or living in some form of poverty or physical denial. It's much more likely to be about the nature of security. The rich guy was very anxious and almost totally absorbed with himself. He was already rich before he had his barns built, and he gave no thought of using that wealth to help others. His quest was to store sufficient grain to provide total physical security for himself and possibly his family, no matter how long he lived. So, if the rich guy took the wrong path, what is the good path? What does the parable commend to us? Well, it obviously has to be seen within the context of Jesus' total teaching. The difference between storing up treasures for ourselves and being rich towards God is about what we centre our lives on. We can centre our lives on our own wishes and needs and consume all our resources ourselves. Or we can walk humbly and open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and cooperate with her. In this latter sense, we essentially open ourselves to God and serve other people. JC was stating that this path brings its own security, and furthermore, the world becomes a better place. 
A different set of values come into play. Instead of hubris, people walk humbly. Instead of clinging on to our own resources, we live generously, sharing who we are and what we have. Instead of constricting our experience to what we can see and touch, we open ourselves to the numinous, to that which is other and beyond, to spirituality and God. Instead of simply improving our own lives, we make life better for those around us, and especially those of need. The guy who built barns to house his servants is a symbolic figure in the parable. He represents the antithesis to these values. He's rich, but not secure. He feels entitled and expects to be served, rather than walks humbly. His life is, is confined to the world he knows and the popular stories in his own circles of friends and acquaintances, rather than walking with and relating to God and spirituality. His legacy does not contribute to making the world a better place. It centers on him, his selfishness, and lack of awareness of those in need around him. Now Jesus told this parable because he desperately wanted people to live better lives. He wanted to connect them much more to God and to help them care for others. Through the parables he endeavored to change populist perspectives. They had an urgency about them and focused on decision-making. Through the parable narratives, he tried to offer a better path or a preferred way to live, if you like. <coughs> the chap in the story who wanted to Jesus to tell his brother to divide the family inheritance with him wasn't expecting all of this. However, for Jesus, the extraordinary teacher that he was, the young man offered an opportunity for him to deconstruct reduced ways people were living and help them understand an alternative path. That way brings its own security and fulfilment of the God-given potential that we all have. As we are made in the image of God, so we can live our lives with the qualities that he gave us. The colleague for today, the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, sums it up in this way. Generous God, you give us many gifts to lead us in the fullness of life. Keep us from clinging to what is fleeting, and help us to hold firm to all that lasts. Wise advice. But let's give the very last word to the prophet Micah. And these words are actually a motto for us at the Family Center. He has shown you, O oh man or woman, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That leads to the deepest sense of security we can ever experience. We become one with God and others. Our lives become centered on the most profound values in the universe. 
and you can become more grounded.